0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About That with your host Maida Ilendala. This is a podcast where I research a topic and put together my notes and share it with the world in hopes that someone else out there might find it interesting, too. In honor of Pride Month and all that's happening in the U.S. today, what better topic to start off with than the Stonewall Riots? Yes, the riots. They rioted. It all started in the summer of 69, when the gays were angry. Why were they angry? Well, New York in the 60s wasn't exactly the most welcoming time for the LGBTQ community. It was illegal to be openly gay. Public acts like holding hands, dancing, and kissing someone of the same sex were punishable crimes. Cross-dressing was also illegal in New York. It was also illegal for establishments to serve alcohol to known or even suspected LGBTQ people, and they were penalized by New York state officials. However, due to the achievements of many activists, this law was overturned in 1966. But public gay behavior remained illegal, so many people in the LGBTQ community turned to gay bars to find support and be themselves, although the police harassment in these bars continued. Many of the bars in New York at the time were actually controlled by the Mafia. The Mafia's power allowed them to cut a lot of corners in bar regulation. Many bars didn't have liquor licenses, and mob owners often paid off corrupt cops to turn a blind eye on many irregularities and illegalities. Eventually, the crime syndicate found that they could make a profit off of the gay community. Gay bars attracted a large population, as there wasn't many in existence, and on the more negative side, the mafia blackmailed the club's wealthier patrons who wanted to keep their sexuality a secret. By the mid-60s, The Genovese crime family had ownership over most of the bars in Greenwich Village, New York. In 1966, they bought a bar at 53 Christopher Street in Greenwich Village and cheaply renovated it, rebranding it as a gay bar. And this bar was none other than the Stonewall Inn. Like many of the other bars run by the mob at the time, Stonewall's amenities weren't up to ideal standards since they could afford to cut corners without police interference. The Genovese crime family paid off the six precinct police to stay out of their affairs, and corrupt cops notified the owners ahead of time as to when raids would happen. There weren't any fire exits, running water to wash glasses, the toilets overflowed and they weren't clean, and the drinks were watered down heavily. But despite this, the Stonewall Inn quickly became important. It was big and it was cheap. It welcomed drag queens, which had a bitter reception at the other gay bars and clubs in New York. It was one of the few, if not only, gay bars that allowed dancing. It was a safe haven for runaways and homeless gay kids who shoplifted to afford the entry fee. It was also very important for the Black and Latino queer community. Reverend Irene Munro, who was a frequenter at the club, stated, For a Black and Latino homeless youth and young adults who slept in nearby Christopher Park, the Stonewall Inn was their stable domicile. Martin Boyce, another frequent member of the club, describes the atmosphere. It was a dump painted black. Nothing to talk about except the magic of the jukebox and the magic of the dance floor and the magic of the crowd. You know, we didn't have many bars then. All of us had to go to one bar, every different type of gay person, whether they liked it or not. So the bar had reached a large or high level of toleration, but it was a very mixed bar. Wallace Sanders said, The sound system was such that you once went in and started dancing, you couldn't hear the music from the other. It's fascinating. I don't know how they did it. As I previously said, the police notified the owners of Stonewall prior to the riots, so everyone was well aware and prepared to hide any wrongdoings. But one night, the police came knocking without a call. And thus, the Stonewall riots began. It was the early hours of June 28, 1969. The night had begun like any other. But then the police came, without warning. They started to rough up the patrons, they found bootlegged alcohol, and remember that Stonewall wasn't licensed to sell alcohol. The police arrested 13 people violating the gender-appropriate statute, which essentially banned crossdressers. Female officers took the suspected cross-dressers into the bathroom to verify their sex, a huge brief of privacy going to show the severity of the police harassment of the queer community. Normally during raids, the people just tended to leave the area, but not this night. The people stayed, outraged at the harassment, angry that they weren't allowed to be themselves. A crowd of patrons and neighboring people had gathered outside. It's not entirely clear who instigated the riots. Many people have said it was Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson who resisted arrest and threw rocks at the police. Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson were prominent Latina and Black, respectively, trans activists at the time, who advocated for LGBTQ rights, specifically for the community of color? While both were very much involved in the riots, Johnson later said in, in an interview that she only arrived after the riots were well underway. Whether they started the riots or not, both Johnson and Rivera are well known inspiring figures in the LGBTQ community. Other accounts have said that the riots ensued once an officer shoved a lesbian into a paddy wagon roughly, and she shouted out to the crowd. Martin Boyce recalls the event, referring to the woman in question, saying, She turned around and kicked him on the shoulder. It was a shock to everybody, but that's the first inclination that something had changed. The officer went in and dragged her and beat her. You could hear flesh and bone against thin metal and moaning. This event caused an outrage in the crowd. At this point, the crowd had reached hundreds of people. Many of them were Latinx or African-American who made up a large portion of the Stonewall community. The protesters threw pennies, beer bottles, and cobblestone at the police officers. The mob tried to set the bar on fire, with the police, a few prisoners, and a village-voiced writer barricaded inside. Eventually the fire department had doused the flames and rescued the people trapped inside. The riot squad managed to disperse the crowd for the night, but this was not the end of the Stonewall riots. The riots continued until June 3rd, five days later, getting more aggressive with homophobic media coverage. The Mattachine Group, a pro-LGBTQ plus organization at the time, wrote this message on a window of Stonewall. Quote, we homosexuals plead with other people to please help maintain peaceful and quiet conduct on the streets of the village, Mattachine, unquote. This message confused many people in the community, as they were happy to finally begin to fight for their rights. But the riots did stop, and this message may have played a role in that. Although the riots had come to an end, the LGBTQ plus community's desire for justice was only just beginning. On the one-year anniversary of the riots, there was a Christopher Street Liberation Day parade, the first gay pride march in the U.S. Although the gay rights movement was very well underway before the riots of Stonewall, the riots acted as a driving force across America. Numerous gay rights organizations formed after Stonewall, including the Gay Liberation Front, Human Rights Campaign, Glad and flag, And now, we celebrate all of June as Pride Month. In 2016, President Barack Obama declared the site of the riots, Stonewall Inn in Christopher Park, to be a national monument to recognize its importance in the gay rights movement. Gay marriage was also legalized in all 50 states under Barack Obama's administration in 2015, and gay marriage was first legalized in Connecticut in 2008. In fact, the Supreme Court has just now ruled that LGBTQ people are protected from harassment in the workplace. And this is another historical landmark in the fight for gay rights. But despite this, many members of the LGBTQ community have a long way to go before justice is served and they get the equality they deserve. The U.S. has made many advancements, but many members of the community around the world are still facing harassment and discrimination for who they love and what their gender identity is. Things still need to get better, but things are changing with the help of many activist groups and people protesting every day for their rights. In addition, the Stonewall riots prove that riots can change something. Voices need to be heard and action must be taken. One also can't support gay rights and trans rights without supporting the rights of black people and people of color. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were both women of color in the LGBTQ community, and they were driving forces to fight for our rights. The Stonewall community was mainly Latinx and African-American gay kids, and they paved the way for our rights today. So remember the history of Stonewall, and with all that's going on in the world today, remember that protesting can make a change. Use your voice, use your privilege, and do something with it. Anyways, that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back for my next episode.